we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for February 10th, 2013. This is part two. And this is entitled Rockefeller Brother Fund. We're buying off evangelicals, mayors, governors for the earth. Uh, in its 2010 review of grants extended from 2005 to 2010, the Rockefeller Brothers Fund admits to buying off, quite literally, so-called non-green voices. The non-green people would be like those that are uh, against the whole, um, you know, Mother Gaia movement, climate change, that type of thing. Meaning people outside the environmental community to sell the man-made climate change doctrine to their respective communities. So they're just, they've resorted just to buying people off. And the love money is the root of all evil, so that's not a really hard thing to do. The foundation dollars extend to support these non-green voices have grown dramatically. The Rockefeller um, Brothers Fund, or RBF, has supported allied voices for climate change. That include businesses, investors, evangelicals. Oh, they're easy to buy off. Farmers, sportsmen, labor, military leaders, national security hawks, um, veterans, youth, and governor and mayors. This is an actual admission by the Rockefellers Brothers Fund of sustained funding for specific segments to promote the green cause. In the document, we read that both religious leaders and state local politicians have been subsidized into selling the myth of man-made global warming. The report goes on to say that uh, the quote the review also describes in some detail how the fund from 1984 onward. Oh no, this is back to Minarch. I'm sorry. The review also describes in some detail how the fund from 1984 onward has poured bucket loads of cash into climate change propaganda efforts, including strengthening of implement implementation of Agenda 21, to and exceeding the 19 up to and exceeding the 1992 Earth Summit Agenda which is also closely related. Agenda 21 requires that the government, by the government, to curtail your freedom to travel as you please. From owning a gas-powered car, can't have that. Living in the suburbs or rural areas, can't have that. Raising a family, like, you know, probably more than one, like they have a China one-child policy. Raising a family and actually owning a farm. It'll do away with all of that. Furthermore, it would eliminate your private property rights through eminent domain. This is what Agenda 21, and this is what the Rockefeller brothers, these wicked devils from the pits of hell, this is why they're buying off all of these people, because a lot of what they've done has been exposed and backfired, and climate change has been exposed. So what they're going to do is throw more money at the problem so that they can implement their agenda. And they're looking to the 501c3 corporate whore hireling church not condemning all, but most, in order to get their congregations on board so that they can implement this and brainwash their congregations. The frozen chosen. The sheeple people. Okay? So, Agenda 21 is a two-decade-old grand plan for the global sustainable development brought to you by, from the United Nations. So we know it's good, because it's from the UN. George, George, uh, George H.W. Bush and 177 other world leaders agreed to it back in 1992. That's a lot of people. And in 1995, Bill Clinton signed Executive Order 12858, creating a presidential council on sustainable development. Whenever you see the word sustainable, it's a buzzword for essentially taking away all of your rights and depopulating the planet. 
Because Mother Gaia, in order for Mother Gaia not to be grieved, and they view the Earth as a physical entity that's actually getting grieved now by our presence, even though the New World Order and the Illuminati are the main ones doing all of the actual things to defile the Earth, okay? But they blame it on the mass population, demonize us, and say, listen, we've got to take away all your rights, and we've got to herd you into cities, and we've got to, you know kill a whole bunch of people off in order, not, in order not to grieve Mother Gaia. This is all about sustainable development. This effectively pushed the UN plan into America's large, churning government machine without the need for any review or discussion by Congress or the American people. In 1997, George Soros, Open Society, gave this um, Local Agenda 21 project over a $2 million grant. And that was just one local agenda, 21, George Soros. $2 million, over $2 million. This is how serious and important this is. So, one of the things you can do regarding Satan's agenda is see where they're pouring their money into. What is important to Satan, to the Illuminati? What is important? This is incredibly important to them, that we all get on board believing this garbage and go along with it. Because, again, they want to take away our guns, our property rights, our rights to our own body, our rights to procreate. They want to take away everything, our right to travel. And this is the main backbone, how they're going to come to us with pseudoscience, just like we just talked about in the last time, the last teaching of the whole universe being a grand computer simulation, pseudoscience garbage. This is how they're going to come to us with pseudoscience saying, so you look at all of this stuff, even though it's all been debunked regarding the whole climate warming or stuff with Al Gore. But if they throw enough money at it, you know, they figure they can get it, to, get it to, to stick eventually. At the closing of the historic 1992 um, Rio Summit, Conference Secretary General Maurice Strong, who we just quoted earlier in the uh, study, said, nothing less than the future of our planet as the home for our species, again, here we go with that, and others has been the object of our work. The world will not be the same after this conference. The prospects for our Earth cannot and must not be the same. We came here to alter those prospects. We cannot allow those prospects to have come through this process without having been decisively altered and changed to a more promising and sustainable future. Now again, this is straight from the forked tongue of Satan. This is very near and dear and important to Satan that this is implemented. Okay? Um, he then enumerated on their progress by saying each of the conventions, this is Maurice Strong, on climate change and biodiversity have been signed by more than 150 nations. It's a lot of nations. Agenda 21 still stands as the most comprehensive, most far-reaching, and if implemented, the most effective program of international action ever sanctioned by the international community. This is going to have a whole lot to do with the coming one world government, one world political system, one world religious system. Because good old Mother Gaia is going to be part of that one world religious system that's really, with its backbone as witchcraft, but it's going to be an amalgamation of all world religions. But as it's, I believe, as part of the most high level part of it is going to be actually earth worship. Mother Gaia. And, that, and when you get people on board with the Mother Gaia thing, see, it's one thing if everybody's like thinking Brahma is like the God of the universe, or Krishna, or the fifth Buddha. But if you think Mother Gaia is who you got to worship, then whatever Mother Gaia tells you to do, you're going to do. Like, herd yourself into 
into the cities, take the mark of the beast, live in a 10 by 10 little cubicle, which is they're all planning this stuff, I'm telling you. Drink polluted water, eat GMO food, sterilize yourself, um, kill your children, take the mark of the beast. You, you, you see how that particular religious system of Mother Gaia is going to be most beneficial for the implementation of the New World Order and would be most near and dear to Satan's black heart? I know I'm sugarcoating it, but, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I tend to mince words. Anyway, let's go further. Um, let's see here. Uh, so he was saying um, this is the most effective program of international action ever sanctioned by the international community. It is not a final and complete action program, but one which must continue to evolve. Uh, then he goes on to say in the 1992 Rio Summit, Murray Strong, if we don't change our species, change our species will not survive. Frankly, we may get to the point where the only way of saving the world will be for industrialized civilizations to collapse. That's all in the works, too. That's going to have a lot to do with the sudden, most likely, devaluation of the dollar, which is not backed by anything anyway. <laughs> it's backed by the air it's printed, paper it's printed off. That's the only thing backing it. The paper it's printed off. There's no silver or gold backing it. So, um, that would be super simple. Not Maybe not simple, but it would be easy to do. Destabilize uh, the industrialized civilizations and then say, well, hey, bring all of your, your uh, fiat federal reserve note currency in and you can exchange it for the new one world currency. Or maybe they'll go to the Amero, which is the regional currency. Now, the exchange rate's going to be pretty bad. Unfortunately, you're only going to get one Amero for every $10 you give us. So if you had hundred grand in paper, if you're even going to get that, you're only going to have one-tenth of what you had. Okay, Whereas silver or gold or other things that maybe you might want to trade or barter with, they're going to even be worth way more than they ever were before because of scarcity, because of real currency, real money, that type of thing. Gold and silver, that, that type of stuff. But paper, you might as well kiss it goodbye. But again, that's part, a big part of the plan to destroy the middle class. You can be a millionaire on paper and not have access to any of it. This global crisis happens. Banking holiday happens. And guess what? Your IRA's gone. Your pension's gone. All the money in your bank's gone. Or if, it, if anything's left, it's at a greatly devalued level. And all of a sudden, you're at poverty level. And you are used to living like a king. Going to be a lot of disillusioned, really, really mad people. Matter of wet hornet. I've been warning about this for a long time. So, you know, I can't do a whole lot more than what I've already done, but that's what's going to happen. It's just part, it's part of the, of the coming New World Order. It's just, it's one part. It's not the only, but it's one part. It's a big part. One of the main goals has been to eliminate the middle class of America because they have viewed that as one of the final remaining barriers to full implementation of the New World Order. And that would be an easy way to do it. Um, going further to illustrate that this buying off on a mass scale of so-called non-green voices by the Rockefellers is far from an incidental funding program, we know that the Rockefeller Foundation also actively engaged in celebrity uh, journalists. As far back as the mid-70s, the foundation has been busily buying off reporters and funding media empires into existence. Even then, 
quote, climate change was actively being promoted as a tragic result of human meddling in the affairs of Mother Earth. Remember what I said about the whole religious aspect? Genetically engineered food was already being pushed as a cure to remedy all ills. And it's the exact opposite. It's a, it's a cure to remedy humanity. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cure to wipe them off the planet. So, as the 1990, uh, this was stated in the 1974 Rockefeller Foundation Journal. It was going all the way back that far. This has been a very long-term agenda. Another arm of the octopus, the United Nations Population Fund, or UNFPA, put out a document in 2009 describing specific tricks used by the fund to reach congregations unwilling to go along with the UN's population control programs. Oh, we can't have that. We need to reach these 501c3 corporate churches that aren't fully on board yet because they're not fully on board with going along with the UN's population control programs. We can't have that. Um, UNFPA has found that leaders of faith and interfaith-based organizations are open to discussing reproductive health issues like abortion and you know birth control and... Uh, contraceptives and IEDs and all that stuff, if issues are addressed with care and sensitivity, so they're, they're open to that, the, the UN has found, these agents of change should be recruited, now agents of change would be more likely like the pastors, should be recruited to protect and promote the overall agenda through countering misinformation campaigns, that would be like me, giving you truth, Misinformation campaigns and building social social support within the governments for the International Conference on Population and Development. So now we have the churches being bought off and the pastors being bought off, coming in lockstep with the United Nations in order to get their depopulation, um, abortion slash Mother Gaia agenda implemented in the churches. And I've already said how... Um, there's whole now foreign clergy response teams that are working with FEMA and Homeland Security on a ton of these 501c3 corporate churches that are just waiting in the wings when, you know, whatever disaster comes and they're going to be the ones going to their congregation saying, listen, calm down, I'm working with the government, I'm working with FEMA, we're the good guys. Romans 13 says, do whatever the government tells you to do, even if it even if it co- totally contradicts the word of God. And that mean, if that means, you know, giving your child a for child sacrifice, hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do because the government's telling you to do it. And they're only a force for good. We know that, even though the Bible says that a true, righteous government will be a force for good. And obviously, this government is not that. It's the exact opposite. I've done a whole teaching on Romans 13, just key in Romans in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. You can hear that. Total misapplication. But Romans 13 was the same thing that Hitler used to get the clergy on his side and get the congregations to do whatever Hitler told them to do, even though it totally contradicted the word of God. I mean, mass genocide of, a, of the Jews, kind of a contradiction of the word of God, I'd say. You know? I mean, or is it just me? Or I'm, I'm just funny that way, I guess. I just think it's a contradiction of the word of God. Mass genocide of the Jews and the gypsies and the undesirables. Um... But yeah, we're going to have that all over again in America. We're already really having that. It's just that it hasn't been fully implemented like it was in Hitler's day. Hitler used the clergy as one of the main tools to implement what he did in, and it's going to be the exact same situation now. you got your clergy response teams yoked up with FEMA and Homeland Security. They're going to be the ones, hey, you need to come to church. Yeah, we've got a forced vaccination center. Yeah, they're going to put you on a bus to go to the concentration camps after that. But hey, it's Romans 13. 
and we know best. We're the good guys. I'm working with the government. You trust me. I'm your pastor. I'm your shepherd. You got to do what I say. See what's coming? It's, I've reiterated this over and over and over again, and I don't think I've ever swayed off this. All I've ever gotten in the past, because I've been doing this since 06, is pure, total confirmation that this is exactly what's going to happen, pretty much. And uh, this is why I have such an issue with the whole 501c3 corporate church yoked up with the government, with given their right to exist by the IRS and the government. Where's Bible for that? Well, does Jesus Christ and the apostles, did they form corporate corporations, 501c3, get yoked up with the government so that their parishioners could write it off on their taxes and that, so the church could get subsidies and so that it was yoked up like a two-headed monster? Huh, I just don't see the Bible for that. It's kind of funny. Done a whole bunch of studies on that that I give you the links for. The ultimate goal of these engagement efforts is clearly described. Now, this is back to the whole um, uh, Agenda 21 thing here. And it's to create a conducive sociocultural environment impacting on behavior, attitudes, and practices to ultimately promote and mobilize key communities towards achieving the goals of the International Conference on Population Development Program of Action and the Millennium Development Goals. This is what they're wanting to implement in the church, to impact behavior, attitudes, and practices of the pastor and their congregations so that they're going to get on board with Satan and have no problem implementing Agenda 21 and doing exactly what Big Brother tells them to do. They would rather not have a fight as they herd you into the gas chambers. Okay? Uh, up to the guillotine. They would rather you not fight because, I mean, you know, it's just less manpower on their part. You know, just do it. You know? Be a good little Nazi. Be a good little brown shirt and go. You know? Do what you're, you're told. So that's why they're doing this, to brainwash you ahead of time to make sure that you're, you're already conditioned mentally and dumbed down and there's so many other things they're, try, they're doing right now to the air, the food, the water, the drugs, the pharmacia, the chemtrails, the fluoride in the water, the chlorine. I mean, you could go on and on and on. All of these things to totally numb and, and destroy your brain so that you will go along with this, so that you won't fight back. Fluoride burns out your lower brain lobes, which is your will to resist. I'm sure there's no agenda with there. I mean, hey, Hitler used it in the Nazi concentration camps at a very, very high level, like in Auschwitz and them. And that's why the Jews and these types of people would just go line up and just say, okay, kill me. I'll go, I'll crawl into the gas chamber or whatever. And there wasn't a lot of fighting on their parts because they had lost their total will to resist evil. And we see a lot of that today. Do you see people massly in mass resisting this stuff. I understand there's been a lot of pushback on the Second Amendment. I'm not saying there's people that haven't figured this out. But I'm just saying for the most part, you just don't see a lot of that. So many people are de are dependent on the government now, you know, for food stamps and, and, and because the economy has been and is being imploded and they want to get as many people dependent on the government before they pull the switch on this because those people aren't going to fight back most likely because they're dependent on the very thing on the government for their survival. So they're not going to be part of the combatants 
that resist this new world order, they're going to do whatever they're told. Got to be careful. I'm not coming down on people that are... I understand there's exceptions, but I'm just saying, I'm telling you what's coming here. Satan's going to call in the chips and it's going to be a high price if you're dependent on that system. And when that happens, it could happen tomorrow. I don't know. So pray to God that if you are in that situation, that he opens a door, that he creates a plain path that you can follow out of that to get out of that system before this actually is implemented. Because this isn't something you want to try to get out of like once it's being fully implemented. I want to do it as soon as possible. The National Religious Partnership on the Environment is an alliance of the U.S. Catholic Conference, the Coalition on Environment and Jewish Life, the National Council of Churches, which is like gigantic, 501c3 corporate, huge, tons of denominations fall under the National Council of Churches, and the Evangelical Environmental Network that serves more than 100 million Americans alone. 100 million Americans fall into that right there. Into that. That's a lot of people. And the UN has already infiltrated that many groups. And these people are getting this agenda. Maybe not everybody at the same rate, but... Another UN front called the Interfaith Partnership for the Environment was admittedly founded in the 1980s to, as the UNEP website teaches, inform North American congregations about the serious environmental problems facing life on Earth. It's better just to, you know, check out now and don't grieve Mother Gaia. Get out of our way so we can implement the New World Order. There's too many people, you know. It's just what we got to do. It's the right thing to do and a fun way to do it. You know? Anyway, uh, the UNFPA, as the enforcement arm of the overall infrastructure, joined with their brother and sister agencies in the United Nations to encircle the world's religions reminiscent of a pack of hungry wolves. See, if they've already got them in the 501c3 corporate system, it's easy to encircle them because they're already part of the system. That corporate 501c3 corporate, which includes the Church of Satan, which includes, like in America, you know, any religion, any religion, Satanism, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventist, all the Christian pseudo-denominations, all the Christian, most of the Christian real ones, you know, not a lot of them left, I don't think. Um, it includes all of them. They're all going to be on that same train going down the track, that corporate, one-world, new-world order, one-world religious system that will be amalgamated and assimilated into the one-world religion of the Antichrist and false prophet. So, you got to make a choice. You know, I think it's just more uh, prudent to get off sooner than later. You pray about it. Since 2002, UNFPA has emphasized the integration of culturally sensitive approaches into programming efforts. Programming? Yeah, like they're going to brainwash you. Toward this end, it has worked closely within communities and with local agents of change including religious leaders. The pattern leaves little for the imagination. The old boys are at it again, using their resources to step up propaganda another notch. After all, after the discrediting of the global warming contrivance, the globalists will have to increase their flow of ammunition and cash in the info war if they want to have a chance to implement this. So that's what they're doing. 
again, these last articles that we're getting into all relate to one another regarding this kind of subject about the whole infiltration of the 501c3 church and how it's caving in and how it's doing exactly what I've been warning what I've been warning about for years. It's doing exactly what I've been screaming about for years. It's caving in, it's capitulating, it is just backboneless like a quivering bowl of jelly or jello. Just go with the flow. Wherever the money is, let's just go follow the money. We don't want to say anything to, you know, grieve Mother Guy or grieve the government or go against the government or, no, we don't want to bow up. The Bible's just fictional anyway. It's how they're acting, for the most part, from what I can see. Here's another step toward Rome. Catholic Protestant churches sign historic baptism agreement, recognizing each other's baptisms. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Catholic Protestant churches are now recognizing each other's baptisms. This is a note from the actual organization that put this out. And it says, this is another big step toward the one world ecumenical religion, which will someday worship that false Christ known as the Antichrist. The fact is that there has never... This is a quote from David Dombrowski from his tract, My Journey Out of Catholicism. And it says, the fact is there has never been a place in the Catholic Church for evangelism evangelistic crusades, and personal decisions for Jesus Christ. Why? Because every child raised a Catholic is brought up with the belief that he is automatically a true Christian because he was baptized Catholic as an infant. Think about that. You, you'll see, like, Benny Hinn going around doing a whatever crusade. or You don't ever see that with Catholics. I haven't, at least. Like, trying to... Why? Well, because they believe that is they're raised Catholic and they're, and they're brought up the belief they're automatically a true Christian because he's baptized Catholic as an infant through sprinkling, which is totally unbiblical. There's no Bible for it. In years past, many Anabaptists were burned at the stake because they recognized this fallacy and false assurance associated with infant baptism and, and went against it and refused it, and they were burned at the stake for that one issue. That was how serious they took their Christianity. So... Again, you know, but now we've got Protestant and Catholics recognizing each other's baptism. Isn't, isn't that special? Leaders representing the Roman Catholic Church and some American Protestant denominations have signed an agreement in Texas to recognize each other's baptisms. After about six years of dialogue, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the Reformed Churches in America, the Presbyterian Church of the United States, the Christian Reformed Church in North America, and the United Church of Christ signed a document recognizing each other's liturgical rites of baptism. This is an absolute, total abomination and match made in hell. The five denominations signed the, quote, common agreement on mutual recognition of baptism, affirming the baptism agreement on Tuesday evening at a prayer service held at St. Mary's Cathedral in Austin. Uh, you can click here to read the full article. There's a link I give you here. Now, they give another note. The film, it's called The Radicals, depicts the persecution believers went through for refusing to compromise. They would not baptize their infants. That's just one of the many reasons they were burned and beheaded and, you know, tortured by the good old, you know, Catholics during the Inquisitions. At least 50 million, most likely. I've documented this over in many, many teachings. But I guess we're supposed to forget about that. Those 50 million blood of the martyrs. Not all of them were martyrs. Some were, you know, pagans and things of this nature. But 
not to say their, their souls were any less precious than God's eyes, I'm just saying a lot of them were true Bible-believing Christians that were adhering to the word of God, and that's the reason the Catholic Church killed them. Because they wouldn't capitulate and acknowledge the Catholic Church as the true mother church and the true church. It was that big of a deal. It killed you for it. Torture you and kill you. You know? So, um, this goes on to say, this is the organization that put this out. It says, from our beliefs page, it says, we do not believe in infant baptism, but rather baptism is a public declaration of one's faith. That when one is old enough to understand that he has faith in Jesus Christ, he's saved, uh, Acts 10.48, if you've never been baptized as either an older child, not an infant, or as an adult, we encourage you to do so as Scripture instructs to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and have committed their lives to him by faith through uh, his grace. So I give you my link here. I've done a teaching on the importance of baptism. And I give you that link if you want to click on that. The pathway towards unification with Rome is becoming more and more apparent to those who can see the coming one world religion with headquarters in Rome. All of this that I talked about, all the way starting back to Alex Jones, when I talked about the whole grand design of computer simulation, all of this is moving us toward a one world religion. All of these articles are respectively playing their own little satanic piece in the puzzle, moving us toward that amalgamation into the one world religion of Antichrist and false prophet. All of these are related. That's why I kind of like studies where I can just kind of build the stories or just like building on one another and, and all pointing you in the same exact direction ultimately. Unfortunately, while this is taking place, there are fewer who are willing to point out the sign of the end times and warn the sheep. Uh, the pr- true shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. But the hireling who's doing it for the money, because he's a hireling, has no true love for the sheep. But Jesus Christ, the true shepherd, will lay down his life for the sheep, and a true shepherd will do that. You know, they're not worried about, they're not in it for the money. <laughs> they're doing it because, you know, they're compelled by the Lord Jesus Christ to warn the sheep. And, you know, we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of us. So, it this is a, definitely a device of Satan. Going further, for example, those who follow leaders like them who follow the purpose-driven model promoted by Rick Warren claim that, quote, it is better to be known for what you are than for what you are against. In doing so, they close their eyes to the signs that reveal Bible prophecies underway and become part of the deception that is underway. In other words, don't speak out against wickedness and evil. Don't warn the flock. Let them be ignorant of Satan's devices, because then Satan will get an advantage of them. Let the ministers of Satan, who appear as ministers of righteousness, delude and deceive them. Let all these men who crept in unawares and turning the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into, into lasciviousness, let them prosper. You know? Let them be destroyed for lack of knowledge, like Hosea, talk, Hosea 4, 6 talks about. Let that all happen. Don't, don't get your hands dirty with any of that, because that's... that's I mean, yeah, it's soul-damning, a lot of it, sure. But, you know, we don't want to do that. We don't want to rock the boat. We want to be politically correct. We want to get on board with the Antichrist. We don't want to offend anybody. That's the norm in today's day and age. For, for the churches at large. What I just said is the norm. So, it's, it's just unbelievable. Next article. I, uh, Pastor Adams forwarded me this. And it's an article by Chuck Baldwin that says, it's entitled, Pastor, Please Help Us. And 
uh, Pastor Adam says, I am a premillennialist and I do believe that we are in the last days, but I do not believe we as Christians are called to do nothing while the Antichrist takes over America. Yeah, I, ha- I tend to agree. Daniel 11.32 says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall, shall he corrupt by flatteries. And Pastor Adam says, i.e. he'll give the preachers a 501c3 tax exemption. This is corrupting by flatteries. He'll give the preachers a 501c3 tax exemption and induct them into his clergy response teams. <laughs> it is. He's saying, he's, hey, here I'm, uh, Satan, here's your 501c3 exemption, you know. You can write it off your taxes and I'll give you some subsidies and you'll be in the good graces of the government. But you've got to be on my clergy response team and you've you got to play ball with us too. I mean, there's a price to pay. So, and then it goes on to say, but the people that, that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The Second Amendment, and this is back to Pastor Adams, is not for sportsmen. It is the final alternative to the Marxist Nazi police state. Here is the article by Chuck Baldwin. All over America, county sheriffs are standing up and promising to protect their citizens' right to keep and bear arms. They are pledging that not only will they not participate in any federal gun ban, and again, I reported on this last week, there's a link to this on documenting all the sheriffs, uh, not only are they not, will they not participate in any federal gun ban, but they will aggressively oppose any federal agencies that attempt to confiscate the semi-automatic rifles, and I believe handguns, uh, from the people of their counties. Many are even saying that they will arrest federal agents who attempt to confiscate guns in their counties, any federal law requiring it notwithstanding. To see a sample list of the hundreds of sheriffs who are boldly putting themselves on the front lines of protecting the Second Amendment, go to, and there's a link. Now, it's time for the pastors to take a stand. Oh, no, but you know they're not going to. Nah. They're already part of the system. They're already yoked up. Now, I understand what you say. Well, the sheriffs are too, no? Pastors are, for the most part, the 501c3 corporate pastors, for the most part, should be screaming just as loud as these sheriffs. Because, obviously, the handwriting's on the wall. Confiscate the guns, mass slaughter will occur. Oh, we, where do we have that? Where do we have precedent of that? Oh, Mao Zedong, Stalin, Hitler, Pol Pot. Always mass gun confiscation prior to the mass culling of the undesirables, and that would be you and I. Pastors should be screaming the loudest about this. But they're not. They're not. No. It's typical. It's just absolutely, satanically typical. Let me ask the readers a question. Those of you who listen to TV and radio pastors, how many have you heard mention even one time the current effort underway in Washington, D.C. to outlaw semi-automatic rifles and, and handguns? How many? One, two, how many? I dare say that the vast majority of preachers across America have not said one word about it from their pulpits. Not one word. Well, actually, the opposite is true. Because remember the last couple studies I've done, I've documented how the clergy is actually up there screaming the loudest to take away our guns. And how the cross lobby is going to beat the gun lobby. That one devil that's the pastor of the National Cathedral. The very reverend is how he refers to himself. That looks like a pedophile on steroids. I'm, I'm just saying, this they're on the opposite side of righteousness. They are literally on the same side as Satan 
and they're so demonically blinded and deluded, they think they're doing God's service, and they're doing Satan's service. When the epitaph is written on the tombstone of America, it will read, Here lies the United States of America, killed by apathy and indifference of its pastors and churches. Pretty much. As the church goes, pretty much so goes the government. So goes the, the, the actual environment of the country. Think about it. What did the pastors and churches do in 1962 and 1963 when prayer and Bible reading were expelled from America's public schools? The vast majority did nothing. What did the pastors, and, and again, this started occurring after they had all got on the old 501c3 corporate bandwagon. For the most part, that had already been implemented a decade or two earlier. So then it was time to implement this stuff, because hey, you're yoked up with us now. You're not going to go against us, are you? When we try to implement these, these ungodly satanic legislations. What did the pastors and churches do in 1973 when abortion on demand was legalized in the country? The vast majority did nothing. What did the pastors and churches do in 2001 and forward when the federal government began turning America into a giant police state? The vast majorities, the vast majority did and continues to do nothing. Now here in 2013, and the primary attack against the liberties of American people is banning and confiscation of our primary defense weapon, the semi-automatic rifle or handguns. And what are the pastors and churches doing for the most part? Well, the vast majority are doing nothing. They're like Sergeant Schultz on the old Hogan's Heroes TV sitcom when he would say, I hear nothing, I see nothing. In the early 1960s, the battle was prayer and Bible reading in the school. Pastors and church abandoned this battlefield and the enemy took that field. In the early 70s, abortion on demand was the battlefield. Pastors and churches abandoned this battlefield as well and the enemy took that field. In the early 2000s, the creation of the police state was the battlefield, which is still raging and the vast majority of pastors and churches are nowhere to be found. Now the enemies of liberty are threatening to make outlaws out of millions of law-abiding citizens who believe in the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. This is the point today where, quote, the devil and the world are at the moment of attacking. I mean, this is like really where the rubber meets the road. And because the church did nothing when prayer was taken out of school and abortion on demand and all the other things that they've, they basically went silent over, now, this is God's judgment on us by them implementing things where they're going to take away our primary right and they're going to take away our freedoms and they're going to take away... Why? Because God's going to let judgment come on this wicked nation because we haven't done respectively. I'm not saying you or me individually, but I'm saying the church, those that would call themselves Christians, have, have collectively pretty much done nothing, went along with it, So, going further, again, most pastors and churches are abandoning and have abandoned the battlefield. If every pastor who in his heart believes in the right to keep and bear arms would publicly from the pulpit denounce Barack Obama and Dianne Feinstein's attempted gun ban plan, it is almost certain that politicians at state and federal levels would hear the message loud and clear. With apologies to Edmund, Edmund Burke, the only way evil can triumph is when Christian people who have the Holy Spirit living in them, is born again, especially pastors, do nothing. If Christians do nothing, so goes the country. Pretty much. Now I understand you could have a very, very small, but that's not the case. Supposedly there's all these Christians that live in America. 
but they're lukewarm. Instead of being courageous, not all, but most, instead of being courageous as God's men are commissioned to be, so, so many of them, especially the nationally renowned ones, are busy providing cover for the would-be tyrants in Washington, D.C. Hey, they just want to get more money. Send in your donations. We're going to preach unto you smooth things. We're not going to talk about sin or repentance or any of this yucky stuff. It wouldn't, it wouldn't tickle your ears. You know, and that, we can't make money that way. We can't keep our 501c3 tax exemption. We can't keep the gravy train going. If we do that, and we would be labeled by our buddies, and what would our cemeteries say that trained us? I mean, seminaries. What about all of our state licensing? We might get that revoked too. You know, like by the power invested in me by the state of North Carolina, now pronounced your man and wife. I kind of want my power, if I get it, like from a godly standpoint, I want it invested by God. I don't want to invest it by some state that sanctions me to be a preacher or sanctions me to be a 501c3 corporation that got its right to exist by the IRS from the government. You see a problem with that? You know? Nah, there's no problem with it. Everything's great. Just go back to sleep. Not, there's nothing to see here. Just keep going. So, going further... So many, of the, uh, as God's men, we're commissioned to be courageous. So many of them, especially the nationally renowned ones, are busy providing cover for the would-be tyrants in Washington, D.C. They're doing the exact opposite thing what they should be. Case in point, during a pre-inauguration service for President Obama, nationally renowned pastor Andy Stanley, son of the famous Charles Stanley, delivered a 12-minute sermon snippet, snippet. During his sermon, he called Obama... This is, I think, Charles Stanley's a Baptist. This is his son. He gave a 12-minute sermonette snippet in the inauguration address. Pre-inauguration. He called Obama, quote, America's pastor-in-chief. I just want to let that one sink in. I want to let that one sink. Pregnant pause here. Pregnant pause. Obama is America's pastor-in-chief. I, I'm, I, I don't even know what to say to that. I'm, I'm speechless. <laughs> this is the state of things in the good old 501c3 corporate church of America. For the most part, Obama is now America's pastor-in-chief. The most godless, evil, pro-abortion, pro-sodomite, gay, transgender, lesbian, evil, devil, fork-tongued president we have ever had, ever, by far. The tree is known by its fruit, you know? Total black, rotten fruit from this devil. And he has the audacity, this sold out to Satan little devil, Andy Stanley, to call Obama America's pastor in chief. The Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you, devil, Andy Stanley. Talk about no fear of God. I really pray God hang that Andy Stanley over hell tonight for about an hour. 
Because that's what he deserves and that's what he needs. Maybe he gets saved. I don't know. He's probably one of them. Barack Obama is a man who believes in killing innocent unborn babies. How many babies have been murdered in the wombs of their mothers since Obama was killed was first elected back in 2008? He is a man who, on his own personal orders, has killed nearly 200 children in drone missile attacks. Again, we talked about that today. That's soon to be coming to American soil. At least two of the children who were killed were Americans. No consent of Congress was ever given. On his word alone, Barack Obama has used drone missiles to kill many uh, many times more children than Adam Lanza killed at Sandy Hook. But that's okay. Because he's our pastor-in-chief. Obama. Our Muslim, Marxist, socialist, communist, Satanist, gay, homosexual, bisexual, I've documented all that before, evil fork-tongued pastor, in chief. <laughs> Makes sense to me. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know. See Judge Andrew Napolitano's column on the subject at Guns and the President's a link. Barack Obama is also the man who is in the process of attempting to take away the American people's right to keep and bear arms and make us slaves of the state. And still, Andy Stanley has the audacity to call Obama America's pastor-in-chief. He goes on to say, Mr. Stanley, your statement borders on blasphemy. Pray tell, how is this different from the way the spineless prophets of the Old Testament in Israel groveled before the wicked kings? And listen to what God inspired his true prophet Isaiah to say to these convening cowards. This would be to American, America's pastors in general, the vast majority. This is a rebellious people. This is Isaiah 30, verse 9, 10, and 12 through 14. This is a rebellious people, lying children, and children that will not hear the law of the Lord. Which say unto the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Now that's the norm wherever most prophecy is going on in America, particularly charismatic circles. Prophesying deceits. I've, I've seen it firsthand. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord, let's say it the Holy One of Israel, because um, ye despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon, meaning you like it, you're staying in perverseness, you're, you're despising the word of God, you're trusting in oppression. Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out on a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. See, that's why this could happen. God's judgment, America's decline. I understand it's moving in that direction, but there's most likely going to be some event that really is like, bam, overnight. Shock and awe. All at once. Where I'm going to be offline, and pretty much everybody else doing what I'm doing is going to be offline, and you're going to be, it's going to be you and God. I mean, not to say it's not you and God right now, I'm just saying, you could be, find yourself isolated very quickly and not even have access to a lot of the breaking things, other than maybe Big Brother giving you their version of events. So I'm saying you got to get up to speed now, because, you know, and again, I do have the, the thing on the website that my listener in Australia where they have taken, he's taken all of the teachings that I've done over like since 06 and put them up on one huge gigabyte little 
flash drive. And he has those available on the contendingfortruth.com site. Anyway, um, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. That's what we should be expecting. God's judgment to come like this. And he shall break it as the breaking of a potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it a sherd to take the fire from the hearth. Meaning he's really going to bust it hard. So hard that there's not going to be one piece of pottery that you could even pick up to, to pick up a coal from a fire and maybe start another fire. This, it, the, the pottery is going to be busted so fine. And God's going to hit it so hard. I mean, this is what we should be expecting based on what the church and the pastors have done over the last, really going back to the early 60s with them taking prayer out of school, starting there. And you could go back further, but that's when it really got, really, really got spineless, when they got yoked up with the government. See, I've said this before, and I know people have talked about the whole 501c3 issue, and I know I tend to uh, berate it. What happens to a church when you do that? Spiritually. What happens to you when you go to the state and say, yeah, um, I want to be a preacher and I want to get my license. Oh, huh. What about, what happens to the church when you take on that 501c3 and you're yoked up with the IRS and the government? On a spiritual level, do you think a spirit of apathy and slumber might have something to do with why the church for the most part, does nothing regarding these issues. You can't see that. It's spiritual. It comes in at the moment when you make those decisions and you lay a corrupt foundation, but you don't see it. And you can play church and everything can seem just fine because you can't see the devils and demons unless you have your third eye open, and I don't recommend that. Just saying. Going further, and he shall not spare, this is God, so there shall not be found in the bursting of a shirt to take fire from the hearth or to take water withal out of the pit. I don't know, it don't sound good. Bible commentator Al- Albert Barnes said the following regarding this passage. The Republic of Israel would be completely ruined so that there should not be found a man of any description who could aid them. The prophecy was fulfilled in the invasion of Jerusalem by the Chaldeans. It had a more it had a more signal and awful fulfillment in the destruction by the Romans. So in other words, it was kind of fulfilled in two different phases. This prophecy was already fulfilled. Well could that have anything to do with all the, the foreign troops that we've heard about for all these years, Chinese and all these different foreign troops, and, and now our own government's being turned into this. And they're, they're, Obama's only commissioning generals that will that will um, guarantee him he will fire on American citizens. And the military yoking up with the police forces and all of this gearing up and them buying all these hollow point rounds and all of these implements to turn against the American... Uh, does that have anything to do with that, maybe? Uh, I'm, sure I'm sure they're not related. But the church has repeated the apostasy of ancient Israel numerous times. Over and over again, pathetic pastors have groveled before the wicked rulers. In his book, Hitler's Cross, Erwin Lutzer quotes a German pastor by the name of Julius 
Lethusier, saying the following regarding Adolf Hitler. Now, this is a German pastor. Remember what I said before about Hitler used Romans 13 to get everybody on board? Same thing's happening now. It is happening in America. Well, here's proof of Hitler. German pastor said the following regarding Adolf Hitler. Quote, Christ, capital C, meaning Jesus Christ, has come to us through Hitler. Through his honesty, his faith, and his idealism, the Redeemer, capital R, found us. End of quote. Can you imagine how satanically possessed to the toenails you would have to be to utter that and believe it? How satanically possessed to the toenails is good old Andy Stanley telling us Obama is America's pastor-in-chief? Basically kind of a similar quote. you got to be real far gone to let that come out of your mouth. And again, this is what they did with the congregations. This is how they got the Germans on board. And they thought that they were doing God's service. <laughs> so, that's why the Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.5 Don't trust in man. Don't trust in me. I've told you that. What I'm saying contradicts the word of God. Don't trust in me. Do your own research. Get in the Word of God. Not all of these authors everywhere and these Christians. I don't even go to Christian bookstores. The only time I even go there is if I got to get a highlighter for a Bible. That's the only time. I'm not saying there's nothing good, but my time's so limited and so ever increasingly limited as this ministry has grown. Me trying to, you know, do so much of this that I'm like, you know what? I'm. I got a hard enough time reading the Bible. I'm not going to be, you know, reading all these other authors everywhere. There's just be be real careful what man you're trusting. Okay, so continuing. So and now in 2013, Pastor Andy Stanley calls a man who has the blood of hundreds and thousands of innocents on his hands, and that's just some of what he's done. America's pastor in chief. But where are the rest of America's pastors? Will they allow their congregants to be turned into criminals by these would-be tyrants in Washington, D.C.? Which why the Bible says they frameth, frameth mischief or evil or sin by a law. You know. Who want to disarm them in the face of their enemies. President Barack Obama and his family have 24-hour armed protection. And he even wants that protection for the rest of his life. Well, he's going to need it. <laughs> Senator Dianne Feinstein also has armed protection. Mayor Michael Bloomberg has armed protection. But these same people want to strip you and me of the ability to protect and defend ourselves. There's no hypocrisy there. And most pastors are content to say nothing. See, I shouldn't even have to do what I'm doing every week. This should be un an unnecessary ministry, what I'm doing. Shouldn't be needed. Because... This job should be being done by the pastors. And I'm not saying all pastors are called to be watchmen. But they should be incorporating, not everything, but some of what I get into on a week-to-week -week basis into their own... They should be warning their congregants. They should be warning their own flock. Whether it's popular or not. But I do not believe for the most part that's getting done.
I am issuing, this is Pastor Baldwin, I'm issuing a clarion call to all pastors, regardless of denomination or theological persuasion, to stand in their pulpits and to publicly denounce Obama's gun ban and implore their congregations to not surrender their semi-automatic rifles, uh, law or no law. <sighs> Again, I don't be great, but I don't hold a lot of hope of that happening. I am asking, Pat, not to say we shouldn't pray about that, because God can convict people. I'm asking America's pastors to join the hundreds of courageous sheriffs across the country who are vowing to refuse to participate in any gunman. See, so far I've only seen the opposite. Of clergy, I've only seen pretty much the opposite on mainstream clergy, you know. Pastor, will you join these sheriffs in protecting the Second Amendment liberties of the American people? Accordingly, I have set up a webpage where pastors are able to sign themselves up and go on record, as these sheriffs have done, as vowing to publicly repudiate Obama's gun ban and publicly implore their congregations to refuse to surrender, to surrender their semi-automatic rifles. And I believe handguns. He's only keen on that, but it's going to be everything if you give him that. Pastor, will you sign up? Will you publicly stand for the constitutional liberties of the people in your congregation to keep and bear arms? I am providing the link below where pastors can follow this example of these brave sheriffs and go on record as being willing to oppose the unconstitutional banning of semi-automatic rifles. Um, is my prayer there will be multiplied hundreds, even thousands of patriotic, God-fearing, courageous pastors? Eh, you know, hopefully, but eh, I wouldn't hold your breath. Across America, who will take a stand and take it now? And he gives a link... Um, then he says, furthermore, I invite men and women who attend church to make sure that your pastor knows about the webpage above and to be sure to encourage him to take a stand. We lost the prayer and the Bible reading battle in the 60s. We lost the abortion battle in the 70s. We are losing the police state battle in the 2000s. We simply cannot lose this battle to keep and bear arms without signing the death warrant of our country. And we cannot win this battle without the help of the American pastors. Well, anyway, that's, that's that article. Uh, it's... Unfortunate, I have to even get into that, but it is the truth. Now, I give you then my teachings that I've done on the 501c3 corporate church, which I've, I'm just reposting this. The first teaching is entitled, Feds Train 501c3 Clergy to, quote, quell dissent during martial law. They're going to be used mightily for that. And then, the Romans 13, an unlimited subservience to the government. Where should a Bible-believing Christian draw the line? I give you the link to that. Then the next one, the 501c3 church being muzzled. Next report, disturbing 501c3 corporate church report. And then a couple current event teachings where I got into more 501c3 issues. And then my end time preparedness prepper mega study, biblical resistance to tyranny. I got into that subject. So I give you the links there. They, my links, I put all of them in green. So if you're scanning the PDF... All mine are in green, so you can kind of separate things. I kind of color code it for you to make it like one-stop shopping. Uh, last article is, Will Christian Leaders Compromise on Obamacare? Um, the writer re, uh, says, A response to my column, Catholics defy Obamacare. What about fundamentalist churches and universities? This is a side state of affairs when Catholics are the ones bowing up on issues that the... Christians, the real true Christians, should be the ones leading this charge. Catholics at least have some backbone in that regard, where they seem to be much more vocal, a lot of times, even on abortion, and on this Obamacare issue, they seem to be like they have a lot more backbone, in compared to the standard pseudo-501c3 church. 
Uh, I'm just saying. I mean, it seems that way. Um, what, the response he's received to his article, Catholics Defy Obamacare, What About Fundamentalist Churches and Universities?, reveals a lack of understanding many people have to the responsibility of Christians in the face of government intrusion into their ministry. See, the government's just taking over everything. They're just they're infiltrating and putting their satanic tentacles into every aspect of, of our lives. Smart meters, Obamacare, the Second Amendment thing now, this Agenda 21 thing. I mean, every you give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. And again, it's because the church has left the battlefield for the most part the 501c3 corporate church, they've left the battlefield. They're on the other side. They're not, they haven't even left the battlefield. They're on the government side because they're yoked up with the government. And the government gave them the right to exist and gave them their license to preach. So they're not going to go against their... They're not gonna, just like the people that are on all the, the um, government handout stuff with food stamps and all this stuff. Most of those people aren't going to say anything when stuff starts to go down because they're depending. That's their source of, of survival. It's the same deal. If you're relying on something wicked for your survival, you're going to be beholden to that wickedness. And you're going to have a tendency to keep your mouth shut when that wicked entity commits wickedness. Because you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm stating facts, for the most part. One critic said that case law amends the Constitution, but he is wrong. If that were true, it would mean that the Constitution would be constantly changing. Case law is a constantly developing body of law which has made new, which has made new interpretations of law which can be used as a precedent in similar cases. He has it backwards, though. Case law does not amend the Constitution, but case law is determined by the Constitution. The Constitution must go through the amending process before it can actually be changed. Radicals, though, want the Constitution to be flexible so that anything can be read into it and justify things like Obamacare, forced abortion, homosexuality, etc. My critic declared, so, quote, all that it would take to silence the churches in this country would be for them to commit Harry Carey, which is suicide, as soon as they have less than 100% religious liberty. His response, no, the church would not need to be silenced, at least, at least not the true churches. It might be one of the best things to happen to America if thousands of preachers went to jail for refusing to obey an oppressive government order. Think about that. That's what should be happening. I mean, these pe- the, the, the martyrs of times past, like I said before, were willing to die and be burned at the stake over just not submitting to infant baptism and not acknowledging that. You know? Here we have issues that cover a lot broader things and they're just totally giving in and capitulating to anything now. Andy Stanley calling Obama's America pastor-in-chief. <laughs> it's incomprehensible. If thousands of preachers went to jail for refusing to obey an oppressive government order... Um, this would be this would be a, a good thing. It would send a, a very strong signal. Of course, if they did, guaranteed they would get their corporate status, their five hundred one c three status review. They might get their licenses re- revoked. Oh well, oh well. That'd be a good thing. Kind of get you out of it real quick. 
you know, problem solved. During 1662, over 2,000 preachers in England lost their pulpits and went to jail for refusing to obey the king's order to strictly adhere to the Book of Common Prayer. In the 1600s, the government of England started losing control of religion in Wales when hundreds of independent churches and chapels were established by nonconformists, independents, Baptists, Quakers, and others. The nonconformists were gaining too much influence in England and Wales, so the king and parliament decided to bring them under control. The Act of Uniformity, the Act of, Uniformity of 1662 required all ministers to assent to the rites and liturgic, lit, liturgy of the established church. In fact, all clergy, college professors, and schoolmasters had to agree with everything in the Book of Common Prayer. All clerics who refused to follow the Common Prayer Book were ejected from the church. Great. (laughs) Do me a favor. You know? Out of approximately 10,000 preachers throughout the country, about 2,000 were ejected. They had a 20% 20 with some backbone. You know? There's no way you would get that kind of compliance now. 20%? No way. And some went to jail, but 20 to 25% of the country continued to worship legal, illegally. Why? Because they had created mischief by a law. They had created laws that totally contradicted the word of God. So they worshipped illegally. Holding secret services in barns and other unapproved locations, which this still goes on today all around the world. People do this. Uh, that could also happen here, and it, most likely it will someday. I suggest that such courageous action would prove to the cynical world that there are still some people who will do the right thing, even if it costs them everything. That was everything. Reputation, job, home, business, retirement plan, and personal freedom. Principal people are not running... Principal people are not running home. They are fighting in court. They are going on record that they will not obey the law, even if, even if they lose in court. Whatever happens in court, they know the end result. They will not obey this wicked law with Obamacare in this particular uh, Reference. Wow, that takes courage, character, and commitment to biblical principles. Government officials, judges, media, and politicians have not met with people like that very much, at least in America, lately. They will be shocked when businesses, churches, hospitals, orphanages, schools, and other entities are closed by the government, and the leaders are marched off to jail. It'd be great if it happened, but I just doubt it's going to. I mean, based on my observations of since I've been saved, you know, and what we get into every week. Some potential compromisers have begun to set the stage and self-justification for their eventual compliance by stating that Obamacare may force them to, quote, violate their consciences. See, it's just, what can we do? What can we do? We just got to go along. We got to go along to get along, you know? Now, this response is not biblical. The principal response is, I won't comply, whatever the threats and consequences of, Period. Amen. If I have to die to not comply, so be it. That's what I say. About that and a whole lot of other things. You know? This is what, it, it, they, they sent me to heaven. Send me to heaven. That's something we should be looking forward to as a Christian. I just, I, as time goes by, I have less and less problem with that concept of dying for Jesus Christ. Or for dying for righteousness. When I first started realizing that was going to, that was probably, there's a high chance of that occurring, it scared me when I was a baby Christian. Now, the, the more and longer I'm a Christian, it doesn't scare me anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't freak me out like it used to. Now, if you're like a baby Christian and just hearing this for the first time, 
And you're thinking, oh, well, who thinks he's really, well, all that or whatever. No, I actually don't. If I got what I deserved apart from Jesus Christ, I get death and hell. Okay? So, when Paul said, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am, who should deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I shouldn't do, that I do. And the things I should do, that I don't do. That's a verse I can definitely relate to. Not to say we have a liberty to sin, and we don't sin that grace may be abound, but as you, the longer you're saved, I think there's a part of you that realizes what a wretch of a man or a, what a person that you are. You know, and if you're, if you're thinking, oh, well, I'm holier than thou, I'm better every day. I mean, granted, we should strive for perfection, but I'm just saying, compared to Jesus Christ, compared to the mirror of the word of God, you know, you just realize you fall short. So, I'm not saying, you know, that because I think I'm better. But, he's saying there's no room for negotiation. Uh, then he goes on to say, others have said, Americans have no choice in this matter. But, of course, we do. We have the choice to say yes or no, regardless of the consequences. That's a choice. And then he says, I've made a decision. And obviously his choice is not to. You know, I agree, 100%. And I give all his contact information. So that's all I have for today. And we did a two-part study last week. I know I said I was going to do like a four-part every two weeks, but we did two last week, and we're doing two today. Uh, This is actually a pretty long two-part study. I'm actually over time just about on this one. So, um, uh, may or may not have a study next week. I don't know. It depends how buried I get. (laughs) So, anyway, God bless you, and I'll end us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I thank you for, in the name of Jesus Christ, letting us come together again to explore end-time current events and relate these things to the Bible, Lord. I pray that you would convict us on how to pray regarding these things. I pray that you would lead us in a plain path, as your word says, because of our enemies. Lead us in a plain path, Lord. I ask you to do that because of our enemies. For your glory. Because we need to have a plain path, Lord, laid out in front of us. That we know exactly that we're following your will. That we would follow the word of God. And I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us, and that you use us, the body of Christ, um, wherever your word, your truth, or ministries, or uh, organizations are preaching and teaching your word and doing your work worldwide. I pray you bless them. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.